Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Mindfulness Hub. Thanks for tuning in for your weekly dose of mindfulness. And today we have a guest. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for having me. So tell us more about who you are. And I'm sure that the audience would love to know what is Runaround Qatar. Okay, so the story is that I'm French. I was born and raised in west of France. I moved away from France 20 years ago, uh, I moved to London, and there I started working for Al Jazeera, so that was my connection to Qatar. And um, I remember people were saying a lot of terrible things about the country because it was like a field of rock, don't go there. <laughs> uh, and I was very curious to have my own idea of the place, and um, I had the chance to come through Al Jazeera. Uh, I was coming for two weeks and I absolutely loved it. It was like love at first sight. It was like a, it's very different. It was 2006. Um, it was not as developed as now. I think there was more proximity as well with uh, the local population because less expats. And um, I discovered how welcoming they were, uh, proud of their country. So from the very beginning, I had an exchange with the local population. And I love the optimism here. They were building everywhere, big projects, a uh, lot of ambition and, and the natural life as well. I was taken dune bashing. Uh, the first time I went and I just, I just loved the dunes and everything. So I came back home saying, okay, I think we want to move there. And so <laughs> did we. Uh, and I've been here for 15 years now. Wow, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And something that you just mentioned a while ago before we began recording was the idea behind Round and Round Guitar was discovering the human potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I just believe life is short and then we're kind of blessed to be alive and I think it's our duty to try to make the most of life in general. Um, easier said than done, and we, we all have up and downs, and, uh, uh, but it's always been important for me to try to understand what I was good at and then what I was supposed to deliver mm-hmm. on this planet, this universe, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, what's my purpose? Um, and I think it's the quest that everybody should should embrace. Uh, whatever is your talent, I think we all kind of have a duty to deliver it. Uh, and that was one of the angle of the run around Qatar. I had uh, discovered the, uh, we do it a short version, but I had discovered the ability to run a lot and I really enjoyed it. I have a track record of being in the outdoors a lot from a young age. So I really enjoyed the contact with nature. And when in my journey as an athlete, I finally had the potential to run that much and that long, I was like, okay, let's just do it. I was doing it for myself. I remember one of the questions that, that, you know, there's so many people doing amazing things and going across the Atlantic and, you know, whatever. And and there's a few of them that are saying, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing no, I'm not going to lie. I'm doing it for myself. If mm-hmm. I wanted to do something for my family, I'd be home with my kids right now, not mm-hmm. seven days in the wild. Uh, but nonetheless, through what I started to do for myself, I understood that it was a potential for uh, uh, not really inspire people because that I understood the importance of what I was doing later. And there is a beautiful story about that. I thought it was just interesting, like nobody had done it. Um, and then I wanted to sort of share what I had been through to reach that level, uh, what I discovered about myself, um, how I was suddenly extremely passionate and motivated about that project. And I thought it may help others. And that's, that was also a way to show at the time I had 
still now a full-time job and three kids and how it's possible to because everybody's saying i don't have time i don't have this i don't have that you know those limiting (laughs) beliefs um and it was a a way to to show through my experience one example of okay well you know if you want you can now that you mentioned limiting beliefs i feel like it plays a major role when we have such a an ambitious goal and just to like share with people what was run around Qatar you literally run around Qatar and assisted so that means that there were no GPS and as you were telling me a while ago you had a paper map yeah so um so I wanted to do it unassisted why because I I love the idea that I can rely on myself uh that people in general should also rely on their own skills and not expect things from others Mm -hmm. um Um, also, I, I really like, again, the contact with nature. Um, I love the intensity of being self-sufficient because, well, you have to think about a million things. Um, nothing is brought to you on a silver platter. So you, it becomes almost meditative because you need to make micro decisions mm-hmm. all the time to make sure that you not only achieve, but you know, survive. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> so um, although in Qatar, you're never really that much in danger because, well, you know, there is availability of help. Oh, that's true. I mean, they come from Peru and in the Amazon, yeah. like you cannot grab the trees because there's like fire ants. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the environment here it can be rough. It's not the most dangerous environment mm. in the world. However, there is a few moments where uh, actually we're exposed to danger. Of But uh, and in the maps, uh because i didn't want any gps assistance uh, we live in an age of information everything is electronic and uh, I, i don't mind it i think it's very powerful tools but again we nobody can go anywhere without a gps we don't remember phone numbers like you know there's we became, I, me too <laughs> me too and it's funny because i'm i'm um i'm uh, i was born in the 80s so we had none of that you know but we we totally embraced it and Uh, but I really wanted to, again, rely on my own resources and then send a message that uh, I don't think it's, it's a very good place to be relying on, on mm. external help all the time. It, it's there. Okay, mm-hmm. it's good that it's there, but I think we should also be self-sufficient in life in general. Do you think that technology makes us believe that our limits are bigger? Uh, I don't know. I think there's there's two sides of that story because obviously technology has allowed us to do much more. Mm. Um, and technology is not only electronics. Technology is well. If you take the world of uh, of sports and extreme sports, uh, take mountaineering for example. One of the 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 largest uh, innovation in uh, in sports and technology is actually textile. Uh, the mm. textiles we have now are super light, uh, extremely uh, insulated. Uh, so people that climb Everest today, they have uh, technology at uh, at hands that the first guys didn't have. You know, sure. so it keeps them safe. It allows uh, people with a variety of skills to to achieve it. Although it's it's still a very difficult uh, um, feat, uh, but it it does allow us as a species to do more. It oh, should that's be. true. That's very be. true. Yeah. Even, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking for an example in an extreme sport that it's close to me and it's a skydiving. Yeah. So the more developed technology that we have for reserved parachutes, the less accidents we're mm-hmm. prone to. So it makes sense, as you said, there's like a 50-50. Sometimes we rely too much, but at the same time, sometimes it can save our mm-hmm. lives. And it's true for aviation and all those of things course. that are not... 
I saw you were skydiving fun. in Dubai. Yeah, I did it once. I'm <laughs> not like an expert like you. Well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what were you thinking the day before you began the race? The day before? Yes. So it's funny because, okay, so I was doing it for myself and then it's funny. So I love people, but I can be also very autistic. So um, I was <laughs> like, otherwise I wouldn't go alone in the desert. But, uh, and it, it's funny as well, there is maybe a story there as well. Like I, I was alone, but I was never alone. And this is the beauty of doing things like that. It actually brings people together. Um, because I wanted to, uh, it became a bit of a mediatic thing. Okay, because suddenly from me doing it by myself and then with, with the help and support of friends, they were like, okay, well, you should really talk about it. If you've got to do it, show it to people. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And then it became, it became a bit of an enterprise of like, okay, we need to put things together and a Facebook page and an Instagram and this and that. It became a bit of a job, you know, something was, was supposed pressure? to be fun. Totally. Uh, I started tired. Uh, stressed like you know I was yeah. my training was so on point and I was so relaxed because like you know when you when you train under and sport there's a meditative approach to it so usually chill people you know mm -hmm. people that do these kind of sports they're usually relaxed or maybe they are not and this is why they do it and that's another <laughs> there's a link to uh, people with trauma and uh, extreme um. sports uh, <laughs> but usually you're chilled if you do your training well you have lower heart rate you sleep well if everything's been measured I was not, I was tired, I got sick, I was stressed. So I, when I took the start or the day before, I was, uh, I was thinking about a million things, but not the run. Were uh, you thinking about, now that so many people know about it and I failed, you're gonna be like, oh, this is why you shouldn't be doing this kind of activities. Yeah, so it's funny because people's reaction. So again, limited beliefs. To that day, I think still my mom think I'm putting myself at, at risk, which I know I'm not, because mm -hmm. obviously with knowledge come an appreciation of the risk. And mm -hmm. there is a segment That's of true. it here. So it's all about risk management. Um, if uh, you and I, we grab uh, the, the commands of a plane tomorrow, we are at risk. But the mm -hmm. pilot is fine. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. th there is a risk that is linked to how much knowledge you have, how much experience. Um, I think at that moment I was very safely and I was very confident that I could do it. Um, I had uh, trained properly, I had gained experience through a certain event like doing Marathon des Sables and, uh, and training. I had a track record as well of doing a few of these, like mm -hmm. I was telling you from 2012, mm -hmm. I, I started walking around the country. 2012 was the first one when I did uh, uh, East to West by myself. It was disaster 16 hours i couldn't walk and everything <laughs> and there's one where i walked from zubara to doha my feet were oh bleeding i had to day? stop yeah, yeah so i did a lot uh, i experimented a lot so I, I had the knowledge of the place i knew doha um, i've been cycling here as well with with the cycling community so we know the roads they're not always off-road but you know and being here 15 years like you know and if you go out there you start knowing doha it's not that massive mm -hmm. you know um, so I had an understanding of the terrain, although there's places I'd never been, uh, like Umbab and the south of the country. I'd literally, that was the first time I went. Uh, but I was confident that I was, it was a measured risk, let's say. Do you feel that people that at the beginning were already like projecting these limiting beliefs in you, then they changed their, their speech and they were like, oh, we believed in you. Yeah, in the I beginning. don't know, it's up to that. Yeah, there's that, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, there is that. Um, like, I knew it. I knew you would I do it. I knew you were yeah. going to do it. No, sure? no, but I think, I don't know, it's up to them. Everybody's following their own journey. I've, I've, I was explaining to you, like, okay, I was, I was amazing then. I was very on top of my game. And then recently I was not at all. So I, I wouldn't really place the judgment on, on people's fear and evaluation of situations because, you know, they, everybody's doing what they can in the end. Uh, but yes, there is a lot of people, uh, and it's true, I'm sure many athletes in all fields, or anybody that's trying to achieve something that has never been done before, or mm -hmm. anything big, even entrepreneurs, like, you know, they, they have people around them that's gonna Haters. tell them, you're never gonna make it. <laughs> yes. I think you just need to stay away from these people and let them follow their own journey. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I was not trying to change their mind or prove a point. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great, that's great, and I feel like many of us can face these kind of people mm. and the more we just take the opinion where it is coming from the more we're going to keep our energy yeah and also let's face it i think we are these people from time to time we're not perfect like honestly that's true yeah Man, honestly <laughs> well like, leo's we're perfect but <laughs> who has never doubted of the ability of a friend i mean we don't do it on purpose sometimes but i think also like understanding our own limitations mm make us true. accept the ones of others you know? very true yeah. so once you started the race what did you have in your mind i, I remember the so it's money because it's been a while now it's 2018 and uh, and it's seven days of non-stop action like you take the start and this is it mm -hmm. and it was there was the media at the start and the tv was there i gave a little interview they they waited the backpack no way. it was 15 kilos and i didn't even have all the water which is very heavy. And a, a lot of people that were kind of uh, into, into sports and they questioned the equipment mm -hmm. I took. Um, if I was to do it again, I would probably make different choices. But in the end, I've used almost every single bit of equipment I took. So which makes me think mm -hmm. I did right. Um, and then, and it's just, again, you're in the buzz, everybody's around, you're not focused and you need to talk to the press and you know and and that's it. it it starts and it was hot it was in february so i calculated so we we're supposed to start in in december okay and people because none of what was supposed to be a mediatic coverage was ready we postponed and uh that pissed me off a bit at the time by the way excuse my french uh, so all of that you know the kind of generated frustrations in the place where i should have have been very relaxed to do what i like to do um but this disappeared the minute I started running. I, I left people behind. We started from Katara and I started running. But I was so tired. It was hot already. Um, it's windy in February. It, yeah, we started, you know, but it, it's the first day. And I can't remember the exact date, but we could figure it out. I checked it out later. It was actually the, the hottest. I think it was the 14th of February. Um, celebrating Valentine's. It, was it Valentine's so or maybe one of the fourteenth or the four or whatever? <laughs> no, but around those days, and uh, and I checked it out because you know you can track the mm. the weather, and it was just the hottest day, um, of, in, in Qatar. In that, like I don't know, maybe now we had hotter, but um, very unfortunate. Like uh, a, a lot of basically, I had a short list of the things I was trying to avoid mm. to achieve, and I had them all. Like the heat, the cold, the, the headwind, the rain, like, um, um, and all those things that I knew were potential risk, mm -hmm. I faced them. 
which makes up for a very good story. I think if it had been without it, it wouldn't be a book <laughs> because there would, there, I would have nothing to say. But uh, so I started on a very hot day and it, it killed me. I was very tired. So it, it, um, those distances, like the first day I was supposed to do 50 kilometers. And 50, then, five zero. Five zero. Oh, and then wow. for a lot of people, they'd be like, wow, five zero, I run 5K and I'm tired. No, but uh, they need to understand as well, like first as a species, we're, we're very endurance. So mm -hmm. doing endurance sports is a lot easier than trying to do strength, for example. If you're trying to, to develop strength, uh, you find your limitations very fast. But if you're trying to be endurance, well, we can see there's people doing races of 3,000 kilometers. They, oh, it carries on, on and on and on. If you pace yourself, you can go on forever. Um, and this is life. In, in the end, the, the longest endurance race we all race is, you know, from birth to death. Um, we just have to pace it. And um, and I and I started, and then that distance that was 50k was something I would do every weekend, sometimes twice a week. So it becomes second nature. But that day I just couldn't do it. I was tired after 10k. My heart rate was off the charts. Mm -hmm. So I was like, damn, this is not a good start, you know. Um, and it became very hard. So I suffered and I finished uh, in a terrible state. Uh, I think I was already five hours late on day one. So where were you sleeping? Were you carrying like a sleeping bag? I had the tent. I had, in your uh, backpack? Yeah, I had a small tent. I had uh, so super light, everything is super light. I was like measuring gram mm -hmm. by, by gram, cutting labels, like, you know, you're trying to save everything <laughs> you can. Um, so I had a tent, I had a sleeping bag that is also a down jacket, so it's like a zip. Um, I had a little inflatable mattress, all of that super, super light, but uh, I could have done without it. But, and I, by the way, I haven't used the tent so much because I was so late that at some point I was like, I don't have time to set up the tent, I would just carry on. But the few times I used it, it was a bit of a cocoon. Mm -hmm. I needed that shelter. Um, you like just found yourself so tired that you just opened the sleeping bag and you went I sleep. did a few times I, I didn't even I couldn't even open the sleeping bag uh, there is a there is a moment where I had hypothermia so basically I was late on day one but I could sleep and then I started on day two and I had a headwind for 60 kilometers but like a strong one and I kept I was still day two I was still okay I had <clears throat> good night of sleep so I could push and I was trained for it and I pushed in the headwind, push, 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 pushed. But there is a moment where I couldn't. I think that was a stretch of 80 kilometers because I was going to Arjuez. And then mm. at that moment, and it was important for me to be in Arjuez on time because I was already also establishing the, the world record for the fastest crossing of Qatar on oh. foot that many people now have attempted. And it's, uh, it's very, uh, very nice to see everybody um, having a go with it. So I had to start at the right time. Mm -hmm. So I was, it was a bit of a race around the clock, uh, against the clock for these first two days. And I finished in a terrible state. I was supposed to sleep uh, eight hours on papers and I was 12 hours late. So I slept one hour. Oh no. And because I didn't want assistance, there was people there because we were supposed to have witnesses for the world record. So it was friends waiting mm -hmm. for me. They were tired of waiting because it was so late. I was walking. Mm -hmm. When I arrived, they had uh, sandwiches and bananas, and I said no to everything. I was like, no, no, it's unassisted, guys. I cannot accept everything. And then they were like, okay, let us uh, help you set up your tent. I was like, no. Um, and I, I was like this. I was trying to set up my tent. That's day two. I couldn't do my tent and everything. I said, okay, I'm going to sleep one hour, and then we go. I slept one hour, 
we left. And, uh, and that's the beginning of a, of a stretch where I will go from Arjuez through Zubara uh, all the way down to Zikrit, and I was going. I was mm. supposed to go to Umbab the day after, uh, but those days eventually merged. Uh, in that desert, I was so tired at night. I got lost for four hours because I couldn't find my, you know, and then some... I had hypothermia, so I oh. couldn't even set up the tent at that moment. No way. Yeah, yeah. But well, my main question now is like, in the desert, there's also scorpions yeah i've never seen the scorpions and though snakes, i've seen if I'm not wrong. millions of spiders especially when you have the headlights you see the eyes oh, and no, they're like no oh, it's no. beautiful they're like i'm very this. scared of spiders no it's good <laughs> they're in the grass so if you go around the grass you're fine uh, but it sparkles like diamonds so, so sometimes you're running at night and you have like a sea of diamonds because it's all the little eyes like this i'll be freaking out it's, i'll well, be running you, back you know home. where they are huh? you just go around <laughs> it's fine but they, they move away like we're bigger danger for them than they are for us as for snakes um, I'm okay with snakes, yeah. but spiders are still freak me out. Yeah. I don't know why. But they're cool here. I think they're they're fine. Do you think? <laughs> well, unless you don't tickle them under the chin, but uh, they're fine. But when is that peak moment where you're when you started questioning, should I keep going or not? Yeah, I think the <clears throat> the day three hypothermia was a bit of a oh shit moment <laughs> because I was not myself. So. Um, it's fine to struggle when you still yourself and uh, you understand yourself within the struggle. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, um, it's very common as well to people that uh, do uh, go to high altitude. But those states where, well, you, you don't even recognize yourself. So what do you fight with, you know, when you don't even know who you are and what you do? And if you lose the mind, then you can't really use mm -hmm. the body anymore. And that's kind of what happened in this moment. I was lost uh, at, an, and at the moment and I, it was very intense emotionally because I was going around and around and I couldn't find a certain road that I was supposed to have hit kilometers mm -hmm. ago and hours. And I got around in the dark. Um, I couldn't use my headlights because the uh, problem with headlights is like it's actually, it, it gives you a very small uh, area of light. So you can't really see where you're going at, at, in the desert if you have your headlamp because it shows you four meters squares, but you, you're trying to measure in kilometers. There was no stars, so I couldn't oh, really no. use the stars. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, Qatar is fairly flat and there is civilization, so sometimes you can see lights, but they're not always the right ones. Because oh. a farm only can look like a city. Like it's, it's very difficult sometimes to evaluate when there is nothing else to compare. So I was trying to hit the town of Jumeria. And I was certain I should have hit a road uh, that was going across and I should have taken the road uh, uh, east, basically, back to, to, to the town. And I couldn't find it. And I, I would stumble off big rocks that big. Mm -hmm. I started being scratched. Oh, I, was, I was tired, cold. And then the, the, I think the despair of not knowing when it stops, you know, like it, it's, there's a lot of mental suffering and physical suffering and you're tired and you're cold and you don't know when it's going to stop. This is the tough part. Um, eventually I found that road and then I carried on and I felt that I was basically getting exhausted. And uh, two days before I was too hot and now I was just getting cold, especially in this part of Qatar. Usually they have a bit of a different climate. It's, it, it got very humid and I felt the first signs of hypothermia. I reached uh, not a, t a very small group of houses and it was like something like two o'clock in the morning. 
and uh, I shouted a bit. I called because I, I wanted to see, and then nobody was there. So I, I let myself into a tent that mm. was there, somebody's majlis. Um, I, I was polite, so I stayed close. I remember that the cushions, but I stayed on the rug because I felt like I was intruding. So I would have been much better on the cushions, but I was on the floor. Now that I think about it, it's stupid because people are here would have welcomed me. I know that. And I would have been much better on the cushions. But uh, so I, and then the mistake I made is like once I got inside the tent, it was a bit better, but I, I fell asleep immediately mm. out of exhaustion. And then I woke up, I was like shaking, basically. Mm. I was having um, some form of a seizure and I was like, okay, this, uh, this is not good. So I stripped naked. Mm. I changed and I, I reorganized my layers to really like uh, uh, get warm. Um, and then I forced myself to eat uh, and I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't fall asleep again, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, before I was better. And uh, we had photographers following us um, to sort of keep track with the natural beauty and mm -hmm. uh, because we wanted also to showcase Qatar natural beauty. So we were using the run as an excuse to show the different landscapes around the country. But at that, that moment, they were not there. They went back to the city to see their family, have mm -hmm. dinner and everything. And then they, when they saw me, they got into the tent and I was a bit better. And they told me, uh, you look like shit. <laughs> First thing they said, you're fine, you look like shit. Like, yeah, but you should have seen me two hours ago. I was a lot better. And I jumped on my feet and I was like, okay, let's go again. Mm -hmm. And there's a beautiful moment here because... So I had been suffering for maybe eight hours more. And then I felt a bit better and I started running again. And just the fact that I could run was amazing. They were following me with a, with a car filming this. Uh, so there is a tape of this somewhere. Uh, and then at the moment where I was running and I, I, I turned to them and I was like a 10 years old kid. I was so happy. I was like, because I, I almost felt like I was dying <laughs> hours before. And then I was, I was feeling strong and I could run. Like you see, you see, it shows how amazing the human body is as well. And I turned to them and I was like, guys, I'm running. But like a kid, guys, I'm running. <laughs> and at that exact moment, when I'm not making it up and there is witnesses, there is a massive shooting star that goes across the sky. And that felt like, you know, that synchronicity. It's a sign. Yeah, it, it felt like a sign, whatever it was, but it, it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine when you're in that verge of just like being desperate and hopeless, we can also just talk to ourselves to know that we can <clears throat> keep going. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk to yourself throughout. Um, that's why I was saying it's, uh, there's, um, that's why people should do physical activity or mm -hmm. music or painting or any form of activity that just give you time with yourself. Uh, because these are the moments where we process things. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as I love people, we also need time by ourselves. Uh, and, and I was telling you earlier that, okay, it's called alone. And because I was alone and self-sufficient, so it made sense to call it this way. But I was never really alone. First, I was talking to people on social media. It was mm -hmm. a great support of people engaging with my posts. <clears throat> and then I think at that moment where you you were, because you enter very deep medita meditative states, mm -hmm. it's a very repeated motion, one foot in front of the other, there is breathing. So there is a lot of rhythm. Uh, and that essentially puts you in a trance. 
Um, there is also a lot you're in the moment because you need to make those micro decisions that I was talking about earlier. So it's, well, am I too hot? Am I too fast? Am I too cold? Am I feeling okay? Where do I go? Turn right, turn left, there is wind. Like you become very, very sensitive to the, the, the smallest change around you. You're not running, chatting to a friend, you know? You're not on your phone. You're not listening to music. You're really in touch with everything that around surrounds you. And when you do off-road running, um, and it's very important to acquire that skill, you also have to be very picky with the terrain. Like if you want to cover long distances on difficult terrain, you cannot, you cannot go for the rougher bits. You cannot just challenge yourself to be like, yeah, I'm going to go through that mm -hmm. pond of mud and go around. No, you need to take the easier path the easiest pass every single time, the, the, the one that's going to spare you the impact on the feet, uh, the one that's going to make the journey easier. So it's, uh, it's, it's not about avoiding difficulty. It's tough enough. You know, I think maybe it's the same in life in general. It's tough enough. You don't have to make it more complicated. So you have all those micro decisions or where you put your foot. Don't step on that rock. Don't mm -hmm. go there. Uh, go in the shade. Drink a sip of water. Not too much, not too little. So it becomes very, very, very micro. Um, and so you, this is the dialogue you have with yourself. And then the moment where this is kind of a natural underlay, then you start having conversation about who you are, how you feel, who you are as a person. So it, be it becomes deeper and deeper. And there is that, that, so I think it only happened during that run for me, although I've, approached it through meditation before and and mindfulness but there is a moment in that run which is i think on day on day six uh or five um where i felt i was part of everything and mm. i felt so comforting um that's why i'm saying it's called alone but this is this is probably one of the moments in my life where i felt the, the least alone because like sometimes you can be surrounded by people and feel very lonely Totally true. It is not about the crowd. It is not. It's. 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 It has a lot to do with your interaction with people. So if you're surrounded by the right people, you should feel, you know, mm. at home. But in life in general, it can feel a bit of a lonely place, you know. And uh, and in that moment where I was not expecting anything from anybody, I was not even expecting anything from myself because I was in the doing of things. Mm. And I could detach from it. I could detach from what I was kind of systematically doing, all those micro decisions I was making. There was no judgment at all because nobody around me to judge myself because I was totally accountable for my decisions. Uh, and I was actually making good decisions because I was making good progress. I was on time. I obviously made a million mistakes along the way. Um, at that moment, I felt extremely connected with everything around me. The wind, like, you know, you start noticing the, the smallest changes in the wind, the sound of a bird. You think about people, you think about your life, and it becomes very blurry. And it, it, you, you, you kind of feel connected with everything at some point, which is weird. I know it sounds a bit, you know, cuckoo, but that, that really how it felt at that moment. And I know it's been described in, um, as the Nen as well, mm -hmm. with people that practice Aikido, uh, which is when you connect the, the, 
the, the, the body, the mind, the soul, and with everything else. You know, this the concept in Aikido that is like that. I'm sure that I felt like maybe I was close to that at that moment. No, yeah. I'm sure that when we enter <coughs> to these deep stages of meditation, um, we feel that we are part of a whole. And um, maybe for you it was running and it was like this, this race that was beyond being just a normal race. Mm. It was probably like a pilgrimage to your higher self, let's put it that way. Um, for me, it could have been when I was inside of the sea diving um, mm. on a breath hold. Uh, I feel like everybody needs to go through this experience for knowing how does it feel to just like be single part of a bigger, bigger thing, but at the same time, an important part of it. So, um, and the reason I was telling this is because I can see that you've divided your experience in two parts in the book mm -hmm. and in the second part where you're talking about meditation and about breath work and about many important details that sometimes people think are not relevant. But I feel like if we want to really tap into that aspect of ourselves into, for example, the first thing we mentioned was discovering um, the human potential, mm -hmm. we need to understand that we belong to something bigger. Mm -hmm. So um, how did you find that breathwork, meditation and other things that you mentioned? It's, it's funny because the, the first time I went to meditation and it was obviously mindfulness altogether. So it's always been around. I mean, everybody's been talking about it. And then mm. I had friends that were practicing it and I'd been doing yoga before. So there's mm. breathing in yoga. Uh, obviously, I've been doing a lot of different sports. Everything is sort of intertwined. Uh, but meditation as per, I never did. And then I tested it. And like everybody else, you find it difficult at first because you don't really understand the concept. You're trying to not think about everything and it's not about not thinking. It's about just letting go with everything that happens in your mind. And um, and then, and then the, I, it's linked to that because I think like it, when we're good, it's easy to it's easy to be good when everything's okay, you know. True. It's easy to be fine. It's easy to be able to meditate when you're not stressed. Okay. And you know, sorry to like just yeah. cut that. I I sometimes find very interesting when people aim to have a room with no noise and when like with all the perfect conditions for mm. meditating. And that's not the real purpose of yeah. meditation. You need to face the noise, you need to face the distractions because that's the real challenge mm. for learning how to calm the thoughts. Yeah, because this is when you need it the most eventually. Exactly. When you're stressed and you're down the drain and nothing is right and mm. you cannot, you have a clouded view of the world because in the end the world is the world. The mm. world doesn't really give a damn about your, your state of mind, it just carries on, you know. So the birds are still in the sky mm. and the sky is still blue and, and you know, and there is war here and peace there, you know, like the world carries on, no matter how much atrocities is happening, uh, no matter how much we suffer, well, you know, things just go on. And I think this is, this is easy to do it when everything's okay, a lot tougher to do it when, well, you feel like nothing is right. Um, and I felt like doing, for me, physical activity, for, and I play music as well, so I think playing the music, playing the guitar, all that worked as well. It's kind of a, it's a hack because it's not exactly meditation, but it's, it's a nice step towards mm -hmm. that. Um, swimming, for example, when you're swimming, you're into the water environment, 
because you can run with headsets, you can cycle and talk to friends, you can do all those sports, you can play tennis and have a discussion. When you swim, you know, it's difficult if you... If you so uh, I always found that swimming was a, a good way, and this is what I've used when I was not feeling good, actually. I was like, okay, at least I'm going to go for a swim. Like the minimum that would put me back on track, you know, and then whatever works for people. Some people will cook, for example, mm -hmm. bake, bake okay, a cake. That works for many people. Um, so, uh, but I felt that those activities that would put you in sort of a f state of focus were a good way for people that are trying to do meditation and don't manage to do it, a good way for them to sort of be mindful in what they're doing. So if you're already doing baking, then trying to understand when you're baking alone, um, trying to understand the similarities that there is in when you're fully focused in baking that cake and then a meditative state, because that's going to give you a hint. It's like, okay, now I recognize the sign. I'm in my mind, I can, I can drift, I'm focusing on measuring, putting the flowers and the milk and all these things. So, uh, and I'm actually mindful at that moment. And yes, mm -hmm. I can have thoughts, but I don't know, you can bake and be very stressed, I guess. But, <laughs> but essentially, the pe those people that like to bake, they probably bake because it cools them down a bit. And actually, know? you're a pastry chef. See, there you go. <laughs> and you know, the thing is that I feel like everybody should find their own activity that helps them connect with their mind and then just like quiet the thoughts. For some people, as you said, it's baking. For some others, it's running. For some others, it's swimming. And that's the thing. Like, you don't have to be sitting down with your eyes closed yeah. for entering into a meditative state. It demystifies exactly. meditation. People get scared. They're yes. Like, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like, many people think that sitting down like close your eye like just doing a mantra it's meditation no there's so many different types of meditation and the most important thing is beginning with a type that it's friendly for your level of practice mm. and just like working out at the beginning you may be sore mm. later on it becomes better because as you said at the beginning we have more knowledge about mm. the process as well and it's the same thing for meditation so um i'm just curious to know how did you feel prior to ending run around guitar you were like yes i'm about no, to make the ending, it <laughs> so it's funny so the ending was just as tough as the beginning like throughout it's been a beautiful journey but like you know they say uh, nothing worth having comes easy mm -hmm. so again i'm i'm not grateful that it was so tough because like i'm not trying to expose myself to pain mm -hmm. uh, but essentially i've learned a lot and then there is also no learning in comfort so trying to expose yourself to places of not pain necessarily, but discomfort is important. Mm. Um, so the ending was just as tough as the beginning. Uh, it was raining a lot and it was cold. No. Li listen, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it's a fun story. Like if people like to read the signs and connect dots, you know, they, there's a lot of in that story to, to connect. Uh, I literally had a headwind throughout the journey. But I'm going around. So lit literally, if I'd been running the other way around, I would have had a tailwind. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's, if you wanted to put... And it, that was unpredictable because we checked the weather. I checked the weather. And then the wind in Qatar changes. And it depends on when you, you run during the day. And sometimes everything shifts a day across. So you can predict it, but never fully. And I literally had a headwind all the way. 
And then when, it's, when, it, when there's no wind, then it's too hot, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so it was tough throughout. At the end, I finished with strong rain, strong headwind. And it was, uh, it was late at night. I entered Doha, I think it was something like 2 a.m. What were you having in your mind in that moment? Um, a lot of memories of my past grandparents uh, I, I thought for my kids as well like you know because you you leave your family for a week like there's always a moment you feel a bit bad um but i i was getting i was entering doha that was the longest stretch you know from from wakra to doha was very difficult um actually from Messaid all the way uh, and it was the road and it was a lot of construction for the world cup like in, like all the, the the infrastructures that we know now uh, they were being built. So I was going through construction sites and you know when you have one of those massive interchanges, I call it a monster in, in the book. It's like a, a giant octopus of, of concrete. Like you're supposed to run in the desert and suddenly you need to have to face that massive, massive structure of concrete with roadblocks and construction sites and what should be a straight line from from Doha to from Mesaid to to Doha or to Wakra becomes a maze because you're like damn how do I go through that? It's mm -hmm. it's like almost ten kilometers wide, you know. You have like roads going up and down, and then which one do I pick uh, to jump from one to another at some point? Um, so it was super tough, and then I entered Doha. I'm exhausted. Um, I stop in the restaurant. So being self-sufficient doesn't mean you cannot go and buy something. Okay. Um, so as long as nobody was bringing it to me, I could go fetch it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was welcome in the farm. I, I would go like, okay, my only, my only chance for water is that small little dot mm -hmm. there that must be a farm. And I had to divert to get water, for example, on day six. Um, that was allowed. Um, so I, would, I stopped at the restaurant. I fell asleep. I crashed dead. And the, at that point, people that were um, helping me with the coverage of the event joined me. They were like, are you okay? They, f they found me asleep in the, in, the, in the restaurant. And I woke up and I was like, okay, I'll keep going, I keep going. So people walked with me a bit at the end. Um, and then I arrived on the Corniche and, uh, and I was, I cried. I couldn't stop crying. I was like a kid, um, like really, like everything of me that was uh, grown up was disappeared. I was literally tears, like I'd never, uh, like I think the last time I cried was, was like a young kid. And I was in tears and tears and tears. Um, and I was, I was there with my partner and she was like, you okay? And I was like, uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just, it feels good actually. Mm -hmm. Like um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, it's just, there's the nerves. It's you like know? I, I was walking, yeah, I was walking at the, on the corniche, on the, on the fence actually. You know, there's that concrete, a little, like, you know, you have the water and you have the cornish and you have the concrete. Yes. So I was walking on top like this uh, and I was just in tears, like a, like a baby. And I kept on going and I was, I was, so I don't know, really, I think it was like, I knew it was ending soon. I knew I was achieving it, but I finished Borderline. Huh? I was supposed to do it in seven days and I did it in exactly seven days. So I started at uh, 7 a.m. and I finished at something like 6.50. So okay. I could have gone over the, the seven days by an hour, for example, but I didn't want, so I finished running. So yeah, it was tough, very emotional, and uh, it, the sun rose, and it always feels better because at night it's a very difficult spot, you know, when there is no light. 
So when the sun is rising, it always feels fresher and better. I changed and, uh, and I started running from West Bay to Katara. And I full on, full on running and I, could, I finished very strong. Um, so I don't know where I got the energy from because I hadn't been running in a long time. Like I think uh, maybe the last 50 kilometers I couldn't run. Uh, and I felt super strong and I, I, like, I took a proper, proper sprint uh, to Katara, maybe over like three, five kilometers of really, really throwing it. And that's it. I crossed the line. There was people there to welcome me and it was uh, extremely peaceful that moment. It felt super fresh. I went home. Um, the press wanted to see me later. I, I had a shower, my first shower in seven days. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> felt good. And I was not too, I was not that tired. Like I felt I could have carried on. Because again, it's all about pacing. And, uh, and I, I'm, by the way, as well, that's very important. I made a point in not harming myself physically. Like I wanted, like I didn't have a blister. I didn't have an injury. I was, I was strong. I was strong. I had lost, I didn't have, I didn't lose so much weight. I lost a lot of upper body weight. Everything went into my legs. So my physique changed in seven days. The body totally adapted. I was feeling good. The day after I went for a 5k run. Like I was feeling really good and I didn't feel the need to sleep, although I'd been awake for 28 hours uh, already there. Um, some friends came to visit. I was just super relaxed. Like I was at peace. I was feeling that I achieved something that was important. Um, there is a story there as well. Back then I realized that what I was doing for myself actually meant something for other people. And that was a massive discovery because I always felt it was a bit of a selfish thing, you know, like, okay, and then, okay, yeah, we talk about it and it could be useful for other people, but still, you need, I'm doing it for myself. Uh, but when I realized that some people felt inspired, um, I can, uh, some incredible stories were coming from Doha and Qatar in general, and I was like, damn, it actually served a purpose. Mm -hmm. And that felt extremely good, really. And how yeah. did you feel, like, for example, what do you tell your inner child after finishing such a, such a, not only great challenge, but physically demanding and mentally demanding and even emotionally demanding? I just felt very useful. I know it's a bit weird, but I felt like um, at that moment I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do. Mm. I don't have that very often. I'm, I live a happy life and all that, but like, you know, we're always looking for an angle. What's the next thing and what do we do? And we all have full-time jobs that we love, but there is up and downs and then like, you know. But that moment, doing that in the way that it sort of pan out and the the the, the echo out from people and the sort of universal unconditional love of just okay that was cool what you did and it helped us there's a lot of people that were sending positive feedback on how it motivated them to do this or inspired them to do that or or they shared similar stories uh, because I'm not the only one doing this kind of, of adventure. So many people do it. Uh, but I just felt that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And that, that, feeling, that yeah. feeling is amazing. I believe that that's yeah. something that not, not everybody experiences in life. Yeah. Sometimes people forget they have a purpose and they just keep repeating their everyday routine and mm. they forget that they're here for a reason. It comes and goes though, huh? 
it's yes, just more totally difficult agree. to yeah <laughs> to sustain it is uh, it's the uh, it's the hard part and if you have to tell something to a person who wants to achieve a very demanding goal very demanding challenge and they still feel they need that inspiration what would it be i think people need to just take a risk really and dare to fail um because i i think again like it didn't happen overnight and i was training i was inspired by a, a million people they all mentioned in the book hopefully i didn't forget anybody uh like i didn't do that alone i was only alone because of the rules of my event Mm -hmm. uh, but um, one thing I say in the book as well is like throughout the journey it actually brought me closer to some people um, um, I met people through that and I keep on meeting people through through it like mm -hmm. we're an example of it today um, so uh, um, yeah the, the journey that I followed to eventually do the run um, sort of it was like baby steps it's not like okay well I want to do that massive thing so people should really again it's all about pacing okay but pace your effort as well okay what's break it down into smaller risk if if you want to achieve that visualize this beautiful things that you want to achieve and then don't think it's too big or for somebody else or not for you or you can't do it just really crank the figures to what it would take to achieve it and then reduce the risk it'll be okay i will do it in a hundred steps mm. okay Instead of, okay, well, I'm, I'm here and I need to get there and it's too big and I will never get it. And which is, you know, the limited belief that we talked about. Okay, but I break it down really like, I think the biggest risk and the first risk you need to make is to actually believe in yourself and visualize yourself doing it. And that's the one we never take. I mean, very rarely. Some people do it all the time. They're phenomenal and some people never do it. Um, and again, I, I was telling you, like, this is something that I lost at some point. I got a bit depressed and all these things. And I lost that ability to visualize myself in doing something I love or doing something that I perceive as being difficult. Or, um, and you take those shortcuts and, and it's not a happy place to be. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a lot happier place to sort of visualize yourself into taking the next step towards something you want to achieve. Thank you so much for sharing this story. I'm sure that many people are going to be inspired by not only your experience, but understanding that there's so much to discover regarding the human potential. And are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Well, okay, let's go shoot them. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Mountain or ocean? Damn, it's too difficult. <laughs> Hawaii, they have both. Okay, uh, that's a good answer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's valid for okay. now. I don't know if you eat unhealthy food, but burger or pizza? I would go for a pizza anytime. Average movie or great book? A great book for sure. Iced coffee or warm tea? Warm tea. Although these days I'm all over iced coffee, but I should go for warm tea. <laughs> um, running or cycling? Damn, these are terrible questions. You know I do both <laughs> all the time. Um... Damn. It's like, you know, asking, do you, do you rather have 20 meters <laughs> arms or, uh, or, or a wooden head? Um, I'm going to go for running. Because, for today. Yeah, because I love cycling and I've got so many stories around cycling. But the running has been the one that really just meant a lot to me. Uh, swimming in a pool or swimming in the ocean? Ocean, anytime. 
skateboarding or rollerblading? I was, you know, I was pro ice hockey player, so I will go rollerblading. I cannot do it either. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's never too late to start. <laughs> Thank you for the motivation. Yeah. Um, early morning walk or late night walk? Uh, they merge, no? Because you That's are true. working through the night. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Godfather or Scarface? Oh, Godfather. Star Wars of, or The Lord of the Rings? Tough. I was always closer to the book in Lord of the Rings than I am to the movie. So I'm going to pick Star Wars, surprisingly. Mm, okay. Just because of, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> and the last one. <clears throat> Aerosmith or Rolling Stones? Oh, wow. Damn, these are tough. <laughs> Why do you have to make me choose? Um... I discovered the Rolling Stones late, and then now they're. I I just I still have a sweet spot for Aerosmith. Yeah, I think they're just Good cool, answer. and they do and they do, the most heartbreaking love songs. I like this one. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite ones. And um, Taylor is just so smooth. And his yeah. daughter is so pretty. Yeah, is that. <laughs> she but doesn't look like him. I don't know. I and mean, it's funny because this is the band that uh, always felt younger than they were. Because Rolling Stone, everybody, they associate to the Beatles and, you know, they have the early Rolling Stones. So people kind of know when the Rolling Stones started. But Aerosmith is actually older than people think. Like, I've seen your music taste because you usually share it in your stories. And I must say that you have a very good music taste because I also like rock. It's very diverse, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I saw that you were putting... Uh, I feel like I'm spamming people with my music. <laughs> no, but it's good I'm like, because... I'm going to show that in my stories. <laughs> Bro, I'm sure there's a lot of people saying like, boring. Why no, is he sharing was... a song again? It's yeah. good because, you know, sometimes you need, you need this like reminder that, oh, maybe I should go back yeah. to that song. But I think I took it from people that were doing it, to be honest, because it gives you idea. Like I have a friend, he's, he's always posting some... I love it when people post stuff that is not in your kind of uh, established taste like it makes you discover something I was like, okay i'm gonna check you're the second person who i know who does that and the other person also runs so yeah. i don't know no but it's amazing <laughs> listen i love when people pick food for me because you know if you if you like um, i'm going with some friends and sometimes they like to order and i love it because like you discover things and it's the same for music mm. and like you kind of go with the flow okay play whatever you want it's not because i don't i can mm. choose but it's it's you if you if you pick, then you you stop yourself from a chance to discovering something you haven't yeah, heard true. of before. I don't know. I have a I mean I have a very diverse taste of music, and it's weird because it depends on my mood, but also depends on seasons. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm 29, I'm into 80s rock. So. I don't know, lately I listen to rock in Spanish, rock in English, like Aerosmith, Sublime, what else? So, so many things that before I would have never imagined listening to. I love Santana. Yeah. Um, the early Santana or the um, I think Maria Maria? I like uh, smooth Santana. Can you listen to early Santana when he does guitar leaks forever? Because it's very nerdy, you know? I, I need to probably explore more. Yeah. I remember him because my dad likes him. Yeah. So it's interesting because... They call him the first guitar hero, sort of. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Because, for example, I have no clue about <coughs> Jimi Hendrix, but I know about Santana. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because he's Mexican yeah. and he's like... 
No, but I think it was always more mainstream because, uh, uh, well, a lot of people know Jimi Hendrix, but I don't know if a lot of people listen to his music. But I think through his recent work, he was a lot more associated to variety. He was on Mm -hmm. the radio. He also lived longer. (laughs) 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 That helps. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, so I think eventually, yeah, he he did a few songs that made him famous as opposed to his early work that was a lot more technical hmm. not everybody can listen to a guitar electric for hours i can only play the guitar it makes yeah. my nails hurt oh really yeah i've tried it <laughs> sorry I've tried about it that because um i used to play the piano when i was a kid i know that we were meant to end the podcast but it's interesting to talk about music with people who know about music it's not that i'm saying that i know about it but i consider myself having decent taste but when I was in, in university, initially I was in medical school and we had a course to take that was arts. Mm-hmm. So you could pick music or uh, painting or I don't know what else. And I decided to go to music, but the first semester was guitar. Mm-hmm. I almost failed because it was so painful for my nails. But what, why the nails? You're not I supposed know, to use because your see, nails. I felt like it made my nails hurt. Oh, but because you were doing picking. Probably I was doing something wrong, but anyways, I didn't fail in the end because I managed to like swap it for art, like painting arts. But since then, I felt like it was not. Should have used the pick, doing like. And I'll give it a try maybe again one day. (laughs) No, but um, so it's funny because obviously, so I play guitar, and I started at thirteen, and then so again I started alone and it was a disaster. Then I was influenced by friends that really led me to becoming a decent player, and then. Uh, I was always trying too hard, like I was putting too much strength. And it was the same for sports and training. Mm. Always I was trying to go in strength. But when I started swimming, it was terrible. I was trying to fight the water. So I'm training athletes mm. now, I'm coaching them. I'm still now, I, I remember what I was doing. So I used a lot of my mistakes to to help people achieve stuff. And tell them, don't fight the ocean. <laughs> like, you're not going to win. Like, you need to be super smooth. Sure. And I feel like playing an instrument is a bit of the same. Mm. Like. Guitar, essentially the people that play guitar really, really well, they have developed strength, but they're very subtle in the end. Hmm. It's like, you know, they, they went from 10 to 100 in strength and they, they used 10% of it. I, I, that, that was their 100% before, you know, because... Yeah, yeah, it's so true what you say that, for example, with the ocean or with the sky or with anything where we are part of a bigger territory we cannot fight it because we're not going to win yeah so i believe that part of the performance it's important to understand that you're part of that as well so you shouldn't be fighting yeah a technique basically mm. like, i think being mm. subtle is the most difficult thing for me it is mm-hmm. like i learned to be it in certain circumstances but I'm, I'm a very too often i'm too much of a black and white person and i and i realized that where i achieved the most is when i finally was focused enough or I don't know in that state where I could see the shades of gray basically um, because you become more subtle and it's true when I draw and and if I'm not in a good place I go back to black and white and it becomes sketchy and rough and um, you know instead of just being just like I think the more you develop a skill the more accurate you are actually the more micro you become very true that's how I feel about it and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for, for all the knowledge that you've shared with the audience. And 
Well, we've reached the end of episode 36. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share. Feel free to message me via Instagram at Aileen underscore yoga or through email at aileen.yoga at gmail.com and I'll be with you next week. Mm-hmm.